Welcome to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast. Today we're joined by Mark Jones, consultant, futurist and advisor on African affairs. He's also a consultant on leadership and organisational development and we're very pleased to have him with us today. Mark, many thanks for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You've got such an interesting background and involved in so many things. Um, We'd love to know maybe what you're also working on now. You chose as your opening description of me to mention that I'm a consultant futurist. I suppose all of us are concerned about the future and one of the things I'm trying to do is to get people to think a little bit further ahead and to get organisations to think further ahead. Have we thought about where the world might be in 2040, 2050? Might we be making a few plans now for some of the fairly dramatic changes that are going to be underway? So one of the areas that I'm working on at the moment is regard to population change in East Africa and the Horn of Africa, trying to understand demographic changes and the demands that they're going to place on societies in that part of the world, as well as some of the opportunities that population change will offer. It's not all doom and gloom. Uh, I'm also connected with a number of academic journals, as well as the academic conferences that spin up from those. That's great. Thank you. Um, I mean, obviously, you mentioned Africa. You spent um, quite a bit of time in Africa and elsewhere. Can you touch a little on maybe where you visited and worked? I spent most of my time in East and West Africa. Um, My first big adventure into Africa was going into Sierra Leone during the war, latter stages of the war in Sierra Leone. I organized um, a major aid shipment um, into Sierra Leone. En route, I stopped off at the Gambia and went to sort of track down forgotten refugees at one end of of the Gambia and then made my way into Sierra Leone and I came away with so much more, so much love, so much insight Mm. and it really fired me up for, I suppose, the big love affair of my life and that is with the continent of Africa and uh, there's nothing quite like being there, as you know yourself, um, there's nothing quite like actually being there and seeing the the colour of the soil and feeling the the music and the landscape Mm. and even the way the sun comes up there, Mm. it's just quite, quite different. Yeah, I totally agree. There's nothing quite like immersing yourself in a different environment. And I suppose that kind of brings us back to the biophilic design principles. Is there anything about your experiences in Africa maybe that uh, we could potentially learn from what you've seen or experienced? I'm thinking respect for nature or just being out in nature, their relationship with the natural world? Well, I suppose I'd I'd like to think that what we'd learn is what we need to relearn. And that is that... um, In many parts of Africa, there is a very close affinity with the natural world in daily living. In Ghana, for instance, the Ashanti people have a wonderful symbol system called the Adinkra symbols. And one of these symbols is called Mframadan. And Mframadan is a symbol of a well-ventilated house. Mm. Uh, And this is a symbol of resilience and readiness to face the vicissitudes of life. And when we think of sort of biophilic design, things such as ventilation are very important for our well-being and our productivity and our equilibrium. Mm -hmm. And 
one finds right across the African continent this affinity, this closeness to nature. Um, in Freetown in Sierra Leone, there's a remarkable tree called the cotton tree mm -hmm. in Siaka Stevens Avenue. And this tree, I've seen so many people as they pass it, they touch it, they put the, their palm on it and they or almost energized by it. And mm -hmm. I feel that possibly in our part of the world, we've lost that affinity and bond with nature. So maybe that's something that the African continent has reminded me of and has, uh, has helped me in some way reconnect with nature. And it's a very important part for well-being. Mm -hmm. I mean, you wrote an article for us, which um, I'm also going to link this podcast to, as well as having it as a separate thing. But you mentioned um, Shinrin Yuko, the Japanese forest bathing. What do you think it is that connects us so closely to nature? I think it's so elemental. And um, we recognised either consciously or subconsciously, something fundamental about ourselves and about the world around us. It's no accident that throughout history, we've used this expression, mother nature. Mm -hmm. And nature does indeed mother us, protect mm -hmm. us, nourish us, sustains us. And I think all of us need that. We, we by our connection with nature, and our relationship with nature, we are mothered, we are protected, we are sustained. And this invigorates us, it energizes us, and it calms us too. And I think it's enormously restorative in nature. I certainly find that, and other people seem to find the same, that once we're out in nature, our problems gain a truer perspective. Mm -hmm. And that's got to be a healthy thing. Mm -hmm. I agree. Again, in your article, you mentioned the rural paintings by artists like Claude Lorraine and Constable. Obviously, they were popular many years ago. These paintings brought the outside in, they brought the countryside into our homes. And I think there was a period yes. of disconnect, I think. I mean, maybe, you know, it's to do with design, maybe the different materials that were brought in. There's lots of plastic, there's lots of kind of artificial lighting, artificial things. And I think we're going back into kind of appreciating nature. What form do you think these these simulations of nature could take? I mean, obviously we do prints, but I mean, there's probably other other ways. And what do you think the benefits might be? Well, what you're doing is enormously important because you're helping forge that bridge again, that connection with nature. And biophilic design uh, should be extensive in its form, like our senses. So whether it be aromas, whether it be something that's extremely tactile, the sort of natural material, stones and woods, mm -hmm. um, whether it's something for our ears to enjoy, whether it's the sound of running water or being able to actually touch and caress mm -hmm. running water. Diophilic design needs to embrace all our senses of the natural world and help bring them in. And it needs to connect in many different forms because we each connect in many different forms. Some of us are much more attuned to our hearing, some of us to our taste or our smell. Um, others us, our touch is, is integral to the way we operate or our color palette mm -hmm. is an integral part of the way we assess and evaluate the world. Mm -hmm. So the designers need to be alive to all these different possibilities and where, where possible, incorporate 
as many as they can. And I would say that we need to think very carefully about vernacular imagery, channeling the vernacular of different cultures and civilizations and environments. So it isn't just a sort of off-the-peg IKEA approach to <laughs> biophilic design. Mm. It is rich and diverse and varied and therefore represents the diversity of this extraordinary planet on which we, we reside. That's lovely. Um, as you say, I, I love that that line. Actually, the vernacular of imagery. You know, um, so, you know. I think that's um, that's so true. Um, to have things that you recognise, local local images, local smells, local sounds. You know, things that kind of stimulate you and make you feel comfortable. Obviously, there's a trend in biophilic design. I mean, when I started the company, that I used to Google biophilic design, about five things came up, and now there's like hundreds, which is fantastic because more people are embracing the fact that we need to have more nature in our world and our lives and our workplaces and healthcare as well. Um, the cities are also incorporating biophilic design in urban town planning. Architects are incorporating biophilic design. I mean, there's echoes of nature in the very shapes um, and interiors of buildings, which is amazing. So you go into some spaces and they're just so inspiring and so warm and welcoming and you want to stay there. There's there's something about the lines and, you know, there's a sort of psychology of all that. I mean, how do you see it developing? I mean, do you see biophilia being everywhere? Do you see um, different aspects of biophilia being more popular or being more accepted? I mean, what would you like to see? I, I come back to the root of the word, and that is we talk about biophilic design, and biophilia is a, is a love of nature. Mm -hmm. And I would say that virtually everyone has some form of a love of nature, and therefore it should be all-embracing. Mm -hmm. uh, I found myself reflecting on this in regard to prisons. Now, some people might take the view that we should create an environment which is harsh, and forbidding and uh, full of sensory deprivation, uh, which is one step away from what torture endeavors to engage. Well, as I believe that we should create an environment which actually helps calm spirits and make them more receptive to their own personal change and rehabilitation. And so one would like to think the, the biophilic design will become all-embracing. We'll see it in motorway service stations, in transport hubs, in the, the long corridors of airports, mm -hmm. in various institutions and factories, which so many of these places are so sterile, so forbidding, and um, in many ways so depressing in, in the way they are. And yet, if we put biophilic design front and centre of development, rather than seeing it as an optional extra or bolt-on, if we make it integral to our design and outlook, then there's a real opportunity to transform environments so they become uh, much calmer and much more restorative in nature. And these have economic benefits with regard to productivity and the well-being of people, so they're taking less time off through ill health and mental health. And there's a general equilibrium in society, which has to be a good thing for, for mankind and for the natural world. We are seeing biophilic design spread and be embraced, but we need to see it wholesale um, in every sector. It shouldn't just be reserved for sort of high end. Um, it, it needs to be all embracing and it, we need to have a degree of vision and integrity about it. 
and recognize what it can do with regard to transforming environments which uh, essentially have been hermetically sealed environments mm. which have, have really starved us of, mm. of stimuli and we need the stimuli um, i find myself thinking of the remarkable project in west sussex i don't know if you know of the nep estate that's k-n E double P NEP estate where they've undertaken rewilding of farmland mm -hmm. and it's been absolutely remarkable mm -hmm. the transformative effect of that. Maybe we need a little bit of rewilding in our own homes, like our that. factories and institutions and uh, biophilic design can provide a route into that. I absolutely love that rewilding of our homes and and our interiors, our factories, and you know, an industry. What a brilliant! That's a brilliant line. That's going on the headline. <laughs> that really is. Um, Mark, thanks so much. Um, I, I mean, you've you've covered so many aspects of of biophilic design and the future, and kind of like the sort of fundamental aspects of it. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Well, I'd I'd like to make a sort of personal plea, I suppose, to individuals to recognise. Each of us can make a decision. We don't have to wait for governments or local authorities to to start to rewild our lives. We need to have a voice in this regard and not just put up with a sort of like it or lump it approach. Mm. And let's reclaim nature into our lives and uh, also help others to do the same. Let's all play our part in rewilding our lives and, and let's, you know, look for opportunities to empower ourselves. I was intrigued to see, for instance, UCL in London has a nature and healthcare design course. And there are some wonderful programs and courses. There are various routes in and let's not just leave it to others. Let's begin the journey ourselves. Well, Mark, many, many thanks for your time, your insights, your inspiration as well. So really appreciate that. Thanks for taking the time with us. Thank you for all that you're doing and uh, you know, you're helping take people on this journey. And it's important that people do begin this journey and realise just how beneficial it can be 